All right, what's going on, guys? This is the True Pursued podcast where your three guys, Ravi, Rishi, and Mitz, highlight success stories from across the world, sharing their journeys and experiences. And I cannot wait to start this podcast. What's going on, guys? How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, good, yeah. Like it's uh, first podcast. We've been speaking about this for a while, so it'd be good to, to get it going. So we started off in a rooftop, just to give a bit of context to users um, <laughs> or listeners. We started off on a podcast when Mitz introduced myself to Ravi. Um, I stayed with Mitz in the past, and, and Ravi's a good friend of Mitz's brother. And we've had this idea for some time, and I guess Ravi is the one who kind of bring it together. No, I don't know about that. But I just feel like, you know, in a time like this where there is so much negativity and hate right now towards a lot of the immigrant communities, I think it's a reminder that there are so many successful stories happening just around us that it's refreshing to, you know, to tackle that. And I think I'm super excited to talk about one specific person, um, you know, Pichai Sundarajan, our guy from the Tamil state of Madre, uh, but also known as Sundar Pichai. You guys are familiar with him? Indeed, yeah. So... The CEO of Alphabet and well, so Google's parent company, Alphabet, and the CEO of Google. Um, yeah, man, I can't wait to start getting talk, uh, talking about him. Yeah, he started off uh, as CEO in 2015, I think, and then he jumped to what more more recently a CEO of Alphabet, right? So, yeah, this guy, this guy went so fast through the the corporate ladder of America, but I want to like reel it right back down to the beginning. <laughs> where um, this guy came from such a humble beginning, it's unreal. So this guy was living in, I think, in a one-bedroom or two-bedroom apartment in Madurai. His dad was an engineer at GE in Chennai. They made electrical components. They were living month to month. And just to imagine where they started, um, from a young age, he was quite techy, it seems. Apparently, he was very good with numbers. Uh, Mitz, that's what you found, right? Yeah, so I found something from a bit of research that apparently his numerical memory is so good that he can remember every single phone number he's ever dialed. <laughs> Crazy. But Crazy. Would, you, would, you, would you guys reckon, is reckon that's true? That can't be real. That can't be real. How yeah. do you remember every single number that he's ever dialed? Yeah, Rav, I bet you, I bet you, you can't even remember... Well, I was gonna say mine. I bet you can't even remember yours. I bet you can't yeah, even I mean, remember, I don't remember your number. number. Why would I want to remember your number? <laughs> anyway, anyways. But the, the the rumor is that yes, he was very very good at numbers, and like every other Indian guy. Now I'm kidding. Um, he was he was very exceptionally good at school. It seems um, before becoming the captain of his school team, um, he was seen as a bit of a leader, and eventually leading to his parents apparently taking out and um, using almost 80 90 percent of their life savings to get him tickets to the dream for him which was uh flying out to america um but of course and this was really impressive he was able to get a scholarship um for his degree at stanford uh in the u.s after he completed studies in india what was he studying at stanford was it um it was a master's in science a master's in science and uh it wasn't in any specific but what he did was he finished that then went and applied for a job at a company called Applied Materials. Um, he actually thought he was going to become like a PhD academic. He started going through the works of becoming an academic, um, but he realized that he wanted to be uh, in, in the corporate world. So he switched out, went back to school, got an MBA at Wharton School, uh, which was called Business, um, before starting his first job um, at McKinsey. Oh, you went straight on the uh, on the old consultant ladder. I think I think once you get to McKinsey, you're pretty much you're pretty much set for a while. Well, he, he he was set. I mean, he he clearly enjoyed it. He he worked a couple of interesting projects there. But 
after a while, it was actually interesting. I found out that he would recommend to all of his colleagues never to join Google or Facebook or any <laughs> yeah. of those. And then he just ended up following that and said, oh, I'm going to Google. Yeah. Do as, don't do as I do, do as I say. <laughs> this, that's an interesting point. So when you, just going one step back, when you join Applied Materials, right? So um, I know in some of the interviews in the past, he's mentioned where he's sort of interested in taking technology, you know, apart. So breaking his first rotary phone and, you know, uh, figuring out how it works using the circuit within inside it. Um, uh, so it kind of, it made me think your first job, was either of your first jobs a job that you were actually interested in? Because when you think about applied materials, they're, they're creating semiconductors, right? So they're creating essentially integrated circuits for, for any electronics you have out there. So was your first job really something you were passionate about? Because it seems like, you know, a step he's taken ha- is like where he's kind of gone in and, and picked the role that's right for him. So if I, if I if I if I reply to that first, so my first job it's quite interesting because he his first like obviously that's taken from his dad right his dad was an electrical engineer you know he he was very interested in in like you know all that like you said semiconductors and all that my first job uh, was at a retail like a clothing retail store uh, in their like not even on the shop floor so like in their like basement <laughs> sorting out their deliveries putting hangers on clothes. Um, and then I barely, I barely saw daylight. So um, in answer to your question, no, no, my first job was definitely not something that... That was your dream. Me. That was a dream. You've worked 15 years or 20 years of your life to get that job, right? Don't, don't yeah. lie, Mitz. That was your dream. And, job. Uh, and for those that are watching this on, like, where you got the visuals, you can probably see that, you know, well, it's only a T-shirt, but, you know, I didn't really take much advice from, from, from the clothing retailers. It was just like, chuck anything on and it's all good. So, But, but yeah, I, I agree. No, Rishi, I think you're, there's a point there that this guy clearly from a young age had a plan this guy was on a mission you could see that this guy kept pushing and pushing and love love the hustle um and you know once he moved from google um well to google and um, from mckinsey he immediately was on a number of like high hitting projects they talk about some of the things that he, he started working on was chrome toolbar search um there was a pivotal moment um, at 2004, when he started and joined um, as the vice president of product development, um, he started to pitch the idea of Chrome. Can you imagine? Right, yeah. Like, I used to work at Tesco, great company. This guy has decided to pitch an entire web browser to the CEO of Google at the time, who basically dismissed him for a couple of years, actually, saying that, you know, we aren't in the space. It's better to just integrate a search function within IE or Safari or other browsers, but he said, no, we need our entire browser. We need Chrome just for us. And I think, I think one of the points, like kind of going to his role at Google, right? He was, he noticed very early on um, that there's like a threat from its in, like immediate competitor, Microsoft, right? So Microsoft come out with uh, an updated version of IE and, you know, Internet Explorer being, you know, pretty poor as a, as a web browser from the past and now personal opinion um that's a personal opinion <laughs> um i mean i don't know who still uses ie today but if you are using ie you need to throw that out the window right now <laughs> and switch to chrome it's called um, it's internet you know uh, edge now i think right edge yeah, edge yeah. Is the new IE is edge yeah. yeah so uh, if you know given that the competitor uh, microsoft came in and you know started uh, defaulting Bing or MSN Search. I don't know if you remember either of those two. MSN Search? Dude, so, I remember MSN yeah. Messenger, MSN man. 
when you used to nudge someone, button. when you wanted to get their attention, you just keep hitting nudge, and then we get that's a it, notification. That's the nudge. Oh my god. And on that point, like I think, given that they made sort of Bing relaunched Bing, made it like the the, the default browser for Internet Explorer, right? It kind of really got him to think of how do we kind of one mitigate this risk, right? to enhance what we currently have so reuse anything we have in the market at the moment and you know really improve that product and innovate and i think that's where google chrome comes right when he starts to innovate you know and really make him like a name for himself in in um, but it's, google it's crazy because like now um it's become such a well google maybe not chrome but it's, it's off the back of chrome it's become such a household phrase to be like well just google it it's not like search on the internet or search in the world web is google it like that impact of what chrome has made is just like now it's just taken over like it's just completely taken over the way that we find things out you know searching that and it's literally you know it's it's crazy how it's come from yeah from i guess and obviously not an individual but led by 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 him i think it's crazy yeah i mean this guy killed it right clearly but what's interesting is if you think about google um that home page of google is so simple right and I, and I read something interesting about this guy. He, he's always had a, a, a simplistic approach and always, you know, he, he talks about, and this is a quote that he said to the New York Times, there was a simplicity to my life, which was very nice compared to with today's world. We lived in a kind, modest house shared with tenants. We would sleep on the living room floor. There was a drought when I was growing up and we always had anxiety about that. Even now, I can never sleep without a bottle of water beside my bed. Other houses had refrigerators, and then we finally got one. It was a big deal. When we think about this guy, this guy, he, he sleeps with a bottle of water every day, and he's always had this simplistic, minimalistic view. But this guy is, a, you know, this guy's almost a billionaire now. I think, I think, yeah, from his, from his upbringings and stuff, like, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, but, but, you know, he's, he's obviously showing, like, um, from, through hard work, you know, you can, you, can get to, you can get to where you are. One, as in, it's not, you know, he's, he's obviously had his, you know, he was trouble in hard times, but, so do you guys know a bit of a bit of a tangent, but do you guys know like football players or soccer players for you guys in the States? Um, when they join a new team, they have like an initiation. I don't know if you like or like Okay. I yeah, mean sure, so, like, I bet I, I bet they must do. Right. Fair so, enough. So like you know, it's, it's like kind of like uh, you know, singing a song or like in front of all your teammates and stuff. But apparently when he was in college, so still when he was in India, um, the seniors of his college basically even though his dorm room was locked, they went into his room somehow and rearranged the whole room. But then also left all of his uh, clothing and baggage and stuff outside and told him to walk down a train platform. And that train platform is the third longest train platform in the world. It's a uh, Kharagpur train platform. It's 1,072 meters long. So he was, yeah. So you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's crazy. Like these things like you, you just have to go through when you're growing up. And he was like, oh, it was a great college. I had loads of friends. But apparently they made him walk like, a thousand meters with all of his luggage on his back. When you think you're having it tough, and then like your mates, friends, um, start kind of, kind of making you do this kind of stuff, it's crazy. Do you, do you think his experience at McKinsey really shaped him for Google, or do you think it's his early life? I like a lot of reading I've done on him in the past week, and you know, um, what I've found is like it feels like he's using what he's learned from his previous jobs and really implemented all of that in Google itself because we're all management consultants right so when you when you go into a business and um, you, you have a challenge like a problem to solve right what do you do like you you first look at how can you mitigate any risk 
like what he did with with uh, Google Chrome. So the first thing he did was um, when Microsoft made the search engine Bing their default search engine within Internet Explorer, he on his link, so on Google.com. So when a user goes onto Google.com, it uses this um, pop-up feature through Internet Explorer and it makes mm. the user confirm that, hey, do you want this browser, do you want the search engine to be default? So that was this first way of like mitigating customers and bringing back those customers that they've lost, right? And then the second thing was like, you know, when I mentioned enhancing. So enhancing is like, he had, they had the Google toolbar. I don't know if you guys use that. Like it was this little kind of plug-in. Little bar right yeah. at the top. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's got auto search on it. So if you want to search something on the fly, you know, you type it in. It gives you some suggestions, and you click right onto it. You could use this on Internet Explorer at the time. I think Firefox was still out at that time. Mozilla. Yep. Mozilla. That, that and that was a good browser, right? And it was it was picking up some speed. It was taking over um, from Internet Explorer. But you know, this guy kind of comes in and kind of shapes up one the toolbar so they're reusing the existing components and then the innovation when he kind of improves well introduces um google chrome to the market it it kind of changes the whole market right from i think 2009 to 2013 google becomes the leader in a space of five years you know Uh, chrome is now the leading browser so i think a lot of his experience from mckinsey has kind of contributed or, or even at applied materials right he he, he found one um at applied materials the 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 way to kind of build something that is very user focused and and you know is technically good and at mckinsey it teaches you you know how do you actually what's the strategy you're going to take no, it's true i think it's true i mean as a consultant we, you know we guys we think that we're problem solvers we'll solve problems as quick as we can and then just keep it moving, right? But what do we think when, when people say McKinsey, at least in my mind, it means to me, it means strategy, right? It means strategy, strategy, strategy. So this guy, and if you think about his career, he's always been thinking about things two, three, five, ten 10 years down the line, taking a stupidly, insanely strategic view on everything. And he's made some big bets here, right? Imagine you pitching to the CEO of a company that I'm going to, we should launch our entire browser, which at that point, you know, IE was dominating, Safari, you know, um, excuse me, Mozilla Firefox was dominating. Um, and then Chrome out of nowhere now becomes, I think it's between 60 and 80% market share. But this is a very, very strategic problem solver. Um, as when you hear about the things that he does in the company, leading teams, pulling people together, they call him the diplomat um, in, in Google, which I can imagine being a, in, you know, a very difficult situation. Um, but, but that's the thing. But that's the thing, right? So I think I think that he's definitely used the strategy part of McKinsey to help him, you know, in Google Alphabet. Yeah. But he must have taken like his upbringing, the the trials, trials and tribulations of his upbringing, and how much they had to kind of, I'm guessing, um, you know, live uh, day by day on the, on that day by day basis. He must have used that as determination and, like, you know, I'm not going to put myself back in that position again. So that's where he got his determination from. But then his his uh, modern business mind, hundred percent, must have come from McKinsey because they're they're you know they're one of the best to do it in the consultancy world. And like Ravi said, their strategy, strategy, strategy. And when you go to the the higher you go up the ladder of any big company, your day to day, month to month focus is diminished. It is all about what's happening in five to ten years. And he must have got that from McKinsey. We should also give a shout out to, you know, a big shout out to uh, Anjali Pichai, you know, so the, the missus here 
um, who he met at university um, in Rajasthan, you know, um, which I think is, is a big shout out because she stuck with him the entire time. Imagine this, right? So, um, so he was in obviously a, a hostel, a boys hostel, whatever, when he was studying in India. She was in apparently in the girls hostel. But every time that she wa- uh, he wanted to go and see her, he had to go to like the equivalent of what would be like the reception of that hostel. And the receptionist lady or, or man would have been would shout in front of all the other girls to be like, oh, Anjali, Sundar is here to see you, <laughs> like proper embarrassing everyone. Um, so, yeah, apparently that was like the, you know, the beginning of their relationship was when like they would like quietly go and ask the receptionist to call Anjali. And then like in front of the whole ho- girls hostel, like this receptionist would shout at everyone being like, oh, look, your boyfriend's here to see you. Bollywood movie. That sounds like a <laughs> yeah, right, right. They're going to write about this movie one time. They'll be like, they'll call it The Google. That's the name of the movie. <laughs> the movie. Well, I'm, the name I'm, pre- I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that you know. I think she's, uh, she's happy that that happened. I'm sure that she's, uh, she's quite happy in her position right now. So. Gosh. You know, going, going back to you know, we're talking about IE and uh, Microsoft a lot. Apparently, in 2014, there was heavy rumors that he was about to switch from Google to Microsoft to become Ooh, their CEO. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you know when Chrome came out? You said oh nine, right? Or something. Um, I don't know exactly, but it was around that. I think two thousand nine year. So yeah, so it was, yeah. Bef- so it was before. It was before this two thousand. It was before, obviously, two, uh, when this yeah. rumors came out that he was about to go and join Microsoft. So can you imagine if he went over to Microsoft and basically just paid a little bit of catch up? Was like, okay, I've made Chrome be IE, now I'm going to make IE be yeah. Chrome. But Do- um, apparently, it changed. I mean, one of the things I find with Google products is they've focused it on the user, right? They they make sure that the user has yep. an easy to use product but technically behind the scenes it's just amazing it works it gets things done um and and i think that's where they've succeeded and Tunda's like definitely you know continued that on with chrome and and all the other products that he's worked on i think he's also been involved in um uh, chrome os which was on uh like is it notebooks is that what they call them notebooks laptops yeah that's it the chromebooks yeah so and and that was also quite a i mean a successful product you know there's, there's a good uh, amount of users for it so um that's that's one of the things i think that he potentially learned you know picked up at, at google but made sure he put at the forefront of um, google chrome's development you know user experience i think that's uh, but it's, so talking about another one of their products because i think definitely the user experience part of this i'm taking that user experience part about to say apparently so i think they announced gmail on april the 1st of whatever year it was meant to come out and uh so and he was interviewing around that time for google so i think everyone thought that because obviously gmail um everyone you know it's such a big revelation that everyone thought that google were just mucking about so like internally they're also talking about gmail and then apparently in his array of interviews they were asking asking him about gmail but he didn't know what to reply back with because he didn't know whether it was a April Fool's joke from Google or not. Uh, okay. So he was just like, oh, I didn't really know what to say. Um, so yeah, so, so another one of their products is obviously now, again, one of the biggest, yeah. you know, again, it's taken yeah. over Hotmail yeah. Like, yeah. massively. Definitely. I get, I, to this point, I get frustrated now if someone sends something to my Hotmail address. I'm like, why are you doing that? I don't check that anymore. I like, I don't, I don't even have push notifications for Hotmail anymore. Like, it's all just on my Gmail. But <laughs> apparently he was, uh, yeah, he was just like, um, but he also says he was he says he was one of the first people at Google to not get interviewed by Larry Page, who I believe is the founder. 
um, of, of Google Alpha Bet. So he, he jokingly says in one of his interviews, he was like, the only reason I got the job is because I didn't get interviewed by by Larry Page. Um, so so they were like, oh, I didn't I didn't get uh, scrutinized as highly as anyone else would. So I got the job. But now he's like yeah, Larry Page. Well, look where he is now. Look where he is now. Which, on an interesting segue, you know, we found out, and you, you guys will probably be familiar with this. In 2018, um, he was interviewed and pulled into Congress uh, in the U.S. Yeah. And uh, I thought I'd share some of the interesting questions. <laughs> that this guy was asked, right? So this, this is the absurdity. I just want to see what you think, right? So number one, they asked him, why does searching for idiot in Google return photos of Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> this guy has come from all the way from India, taken tickets to come to America, got an insane job at Google, found a web browser only to be asked by this congresswoman, why does searching the word idiot and I can't even explain. But but am I am I right in saying that that's not is that a user thing, like or is that a Google algorithm thing? Of course, it's a good. You know, it's a Google algorithm. algorithm Google yeah. is amalgamating what the users around the world are generating from yeah. a content perspective. They have, they have a fixed algorithm that just trawls through that data. And yeah, right. Produces the most relevant results. You know, they yeah. think that there's somebody behind the scenes that's sort of just selecting. That's not how this works. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Right. It's not it's not a Google issue. It's a it's a it's a society. It's a society thing that's made that happen, right? Yeah. Well, I know, I know. But anyhow, another question for you. Here's another one. So they asked him, um, you know, this is this is Republican Ted Poe um, from Texas, and he asked, um, "Hi, Sunder, if I move from this side of the room to the other side of the room, um, does Google know? Yes or no?" <laughs> Yeah, Just I think yes or no. I, I saw that one and I was like, what? Did, this... did, did, did he, do you have the answers for these by any chance? <laughs> well, how Sunder responded to no. Sunder, yeah. you know, he, he struggled. He, he could see him and I because he's probably what's going through his head is one, how is this guy this stupid? But two, I can't let him know that I think he's stupid. So I'm going <laughs> to try and come up with some kind of succinct response. Sunder's so not your like usual like CEO, right? I mean, no. he's a very calm, you know, well-spoken individual he's very intelligent but like I, I you watched, haven't seen yeah. it you need to watch it you yeah. need to watch it because yeah. it it looks like he's such a normal nice guy that they don't even know how to grill him yeah but you know but you know you know you say that he's a nice guy um again another bit another little bit of research mm. segue that apparently so when he used to report into one of his bosses before obviously he was a ceo he, he used to sit outside that boss's office for hours just to ensure that his team get a good uh, appraisal like a good review so he would like wow. sit out there and yeah. make sure, like you know, that that is like a leader. Do you know what I mean? That's like, a, like a, a, yeah. a man of the people, Definitely. a man of the people type thing. He used to sit out there for hours just to just to ensure that they. There you uh, go, man. We, we should we should start a meme right now, man. Like be like Sunder. Let's get a picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. More people like Sunder. <laughs> but you know, again, you know, you know, uh, Rishi said that um, he's not he's not your normal CEO, but I don't think he's also not your normal. I would say employee. Again, another thing that I read is that. Um, Apparently, when he, if he's in a meeting or if he uh, if he's just talking to you or whatever, and he's deep in thought and he doesn't quite know the answer or, or is confused, apparently he just gets up and starts walking. So there's been multiple occasions where he's, he's been in a super critical meeting that with critical decision points to be made, and he just gets up and walks out the room, and then he because he because he goes for a walk, gets his thoughts together, and then come back. He comes back into the meeting room and then says like, okay, no, I think yeah, X, Y, and Z, 
X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. But apparently he just gets up and walks out without anyone knowing what he's doing. He just gets up and, and bowls. I think I, I need to employ that tactic with my wife more often. I think. <laughs> like walking out of the room, just like walk out the window, just like, <laughs> right? But how, how strange is that? Apparently he gathers his thoughts, but then obviously he must come and drop an absolute bombshell onto that meeting and be like, no, this is that's what we're it, doing. Exactly. And uh, that's a good point because I, I watched a few of his interviews and when I, when I was watching him, you know, when someone asks him a question, he takes, he takes a pause. Like he thinks yeah. about it, you know, mm-hmm. and he just shows this is your like, you know, this is, a, this is, uh, it's kind of help. Uh, I, how can I say it? it's in encouraging anyone from any background, you know, to, you, you can make it to CEO, right? It's, you don't have to be like hundred percent polished. You don't have to have the answer on the tip of your tongue. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree, guys. And I think, you know, when you look about his history and I, you know, recommend anyone to, to look into this um, in terms of what leaders look like today. Um, this guy really seems to be, you know, head above shoulders um, from the rest. Um, you want a scholarship. He found his way over to, to America to uh, find uh, a great job um, before moving from McKinsey to, to Google. And then just went up the ranks as quick as he can. But if you look about, you know, or watch all of his keynotes, they're always about, how can we push the button even further? How can we surprise customers even better? How can we think and help society even more? And it seems that he's, you know, he's stuck to that 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 ethos. I think it's quite interesting because he is. <clears throat> I think now a lot of companies now are like uh, user focused, but only maybe in the last like, you know, they're putting the customer at the center of everything. Exactly. You know, when I was working on my previous job, it's all now. It's now customer focused, customer focused, user focused. But like Richard, I think you said earlier. Like all of his inventions, all of his ideas had always had the user at the center. Like, I don't think, but he did that again, strategy, right? So he did that, what, 10, 15 years ago, whereas only in the last five years, I reckon the, 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 the companies are starting to do Exactly. That I mean, so many companies are, are looking at Google and, and, and the likes of Google and looking at these guys and saying, hey, why are they getting it right? You know, and, and they're putting the human like interaction first, the user experience and, and like, building upon that and once you validate an idea with human interaction and, and user experience you know it's going to be right because you've collected that feedback from the human the person who your customer is so yeah. you know i, I think uh, he, google do it really, really well and i it's hard to find companies who do it like in the same way um but one of the things i read about google was most of their early hires were engineers right and when you think about user first, you wouldn't think engineers are thinking user first. I, I wonder what kind of shaped, well, who who shaped that within you know Google, putting the user first, even though we are very engineering led. Yeah, that's true. But, but do you think it's all right? So that, I, that's quite interesting actually, because I reckon the the engineers wouldn't have come up in like those managerial positions, right? So I think the 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 narrative of user user focus user led would have come up from who were who at that point would have been in the leadership teams whereas the engineers they've kind of they've kind of got the best of both worlds right they've got the engineers who are like super good at creating the product or or for want of a better phrase engineering the product that they need but the the user story and everything would have come up would have come from would have come from the leadership team and that narrative of no look this is what we're doing would have come from the leadership team. So they probably did very well because they probably knew that they had a, a leadership team there of what they wanted. They, they had they had the mold of what they wanted. They just now needed to put that into action and hence where hence where all the uh, the the engineer engineer hires came from. I'm I'm a mechanical engineer by uh, 
I did mechanical engineering, but yeah, I was going to say by trade. I never worked in engineering, <laughs> but uh, my uni degree was in mechanical engineering, so uh, I reckon I would have gone down a storm. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good for this guy as well, right? I'm reading about now how he's got a 10,000 square feet house yeah. uh, over in, in, in California now with 10 bathrooms, which I always do wonder, what do you do with 10 bathrooms? <laughs> like, you know, with a family of, you know, mom and dad and a couple of kids. But anyhow, I'm, I'm glad he's enjoying himself with a Maybach as well. <laughs> but uh, this man is a, a true, you know, depiction, I guess, of what a, a proper immigrant story, a success story looks like. And uh, I can't be happy, happier for him, you know. Yeah, I, th I think most definitely. I think I think uh, one of the one of the things that we want to get out of this podcast as well is obviously sharing sharing stories of of CEOs and, and uh, you know, how, where they got to where they are. But it's a case of, uh, you know, yeah, bring a bit of a light positivity and a bit of um some fun some fun true stories for the for the listeners to be like uh you know like if you can do it anyone can type thing which um but yeah i can't like it's, it's so good to see to see ceos of top top companies um yeah especially in times like this right now right and i, and I hope you know to all of our listeners i hope you're staying safe um given the environment but um, if I could leave you guys with just one interesting quote here from Cinder, and I'll pass it over to you guys. Um, he said, being ambitious always keeps motivation levels high and such a kind attitude helps me attain big successes. And I think that really sums it up, that this person has never really um, switched off and has always pushed himself to just seeing how can we go further, how can we go further. And I bet right now, even with, you know, a lot of us are playing those family trivia games and whatever on Zoom, I bet you this band is working 24-7 on how to push the envelope even further as we speak. Agreed, agreed. And I, just to add to that, I think, you know, Sundar plays um, somewhat of a motivational role, you know, for everyone out there, um, immigrant or not. It's like it doesn't really matter where you come from, you know, you can, or, or it doesn't really matter where your background is, you know, you can make it to the top and, you know, become a CEO of one of the best companies, true. biggest companies in the world, yeah. I also from that, especially from that quote, I don't think he's never ever let his successes get to his head. Do you know what I mean? He's mm. he's always he's always his his deep his deep underlying well, from what we we speak as if we know him, but from what we've from what we've researched and stuff, his deep underlying like thoughts and mannerisms and stuff is I, I, it seems like it's kept to them. You know, he's a people person, he's kind, he's not like I'm the boss, I'm the boss of one of the biggest companies in the world. You know, you do as I like, you know, do as I say. He's always kept it personal. He seems like he's kept, like, kept to his traditions. You know, his bottle of water at night every day, walking out of random meetings and stuff like that. It's just, it's, well, and that's what I love. I, he's just kept his, I he's, he's kept on being himself and, and he's just shot to the top. I think it's really good. No, so true. And Cinder, if you're listening out there, man, you know, we're, we're excited about your next 10 years. Keep going, my son. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. But guys, this has been the uh, the True Podcast, you know, the True Pursuit Podcast. We're excited that you guys are listening to our first one here. We're going to bring super, you know, super exciting individuals back to you on our next ones. Um, this has been myself, Ravi, Rishi, and Mitz um, highlighting these success stories with you guys. So this is us guys signing out.